Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael preaches on living in the light. All right, so the last few weeks we've been talking about uh, producing fruit, being hungry to produce fruit. We've really paralleled with uh, the children of Israel going into the promised land and looked at, you know, just laying hold of the promises of God, which is very synonymous even in the Old Testament in going into the promised land with fruit. One of the things that they highlighted um, of of what they brought back that was an encouragement. Um, Well, it was an encouragement for Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them were just blinded by the giants. But was the fruit, uh, grape, uh, bun, oh my gosh, what is the grape thing? What's a grape? What Cluster. I say, I've said it every week and I just lost it today. A cluster of grapes that had to be carried by two men on a pole between them and uh, talked about the figs. We know that we've heard about the land that flows with milk and honey. Last week we looked at how Jacob had prophesied to the tribe of Judah that they would tie their donkey to a grapevine, okay? And so we, we know that because of this word that was passed down through the generations, that was one of the reasons why Caleb from the tribe of Judah was like when he saw a grapevine that you could tie a donkey to, he said, this is that. It reminds me of, the, of Peter when he talked in Acts chapter 2, this is that, when he was referring to the prophet Joel. And we have to say, this is that about the things of God. We have, to, we have to have heard, we have to have received, we have to be looking for, and we say, this is that. And we tie our donkey to it, right? We talked about how that uh, the vine, he is the vine and we are the branches. And The vine, he was a tender shoot, but he allowed himself to be staked, which we look in viticulture that you have to stake grape vines so that they can gain strength. And when he put himself on the stake, he solidified for eternity the power of the cross that we could all be branches of. Amen? And so, and, and we looked at the, the, the uplifted hand and how he nailed himself, to, had himself nailed to the cross and for eternity he put himself there um, and, and with his hands lifted high, that was the last thing that he did and even in death we can receive that covenant from him. But we know that the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. And so we've looked at some of the thoughts about bearing fruit, I've told you some of my own struggles through the years that bearing fruit to me was always a religious duty. Like I have to bear fruit, produce, 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 produce. I have to be a factory for the kingdom and I have to be bearing fruit and it looks like evangelism and I have to have my record straight and I have to have my numbers up and I have to be doing good stuff. Right? But we've looked at that producing fruit is actually you get to consume the fruit. So the value of producing a lot of fruit is the value of partaking of what God produces in us. So he's glorified 
when we are gorging on what he wants us to be full of and consuming, right? What a hard taskmaster he is. And so I just want to continue on today. So we looked at the hunger to produce fruit. We looked at the value of producing fruit. We looked at misconceptions of producing fruit. And we began to look last week on how to produce fruit. And the very first thing is, he is the vine. We are the branches, right? We must be connected to him. And so today I want to just continue in some viticulture. Viticulture is the science, production, and study of grapes. And so I want us, if we're going to study the vine and the branches, I just want to call it viticulture. And so we're going to continue in that. I want to just, uh, I love this. Does anybody know what the very first words that were sung today? Just love it. I just love the Holy Spirit. The very first, that's the first song, the very first thing that came out of the mouth of Jahan in worship today was step out of the shadows. Step out of the grave. Later in the song, it says, uh, come out of the dark just as you are into the fullness of his love. The very first thing I would want to talk about in viticulture, well, we already talked about being connected to the vine, obviously, but you have to have, all right? If you are going to produce fruit, a vine has to have approximately 1,300 to 1,500 hours of sunshine during the growing season. You got to have a lot of sunshine during the growing season. You've got to have a lot of light if you're going to produce fruit. You can't produce fruit in the shadows. You can't produce fruit in the darkness. You have to be in the light. In Isaiah 9, chapter 2. In Isaiah 9, chapter 2. Think about that for a minute. Isaiah 9 is the book. Chapter 2 is the chapter. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Can you just see in Isaiah chapter 9, again, some parallels to harvesting and producing fruit. There's a light that will shine. The people that walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Then they shall multiply. They shall increase. In their gladness, in the light, there's increase of gladness. He wants you to eat the fruit of gladness. He wants gladness to multiply in your life. What a hard taskmaster. <laughs> See, this is so important because in the parable of the minor, he says you're going to be judged by your own words of who you say I am. I think it is very important for the people of God to continuously be reciting in their mind, 
And I'm on the flip side of it with a little sarcasm. What a hard taskmaster. Ha, ha, ha. I think we should constantly be absolutely destroying that false concept of God. What a hard taskmaster. He wants his light to shine on us. He wants us to multiply and increase in gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. So this celebration of harvest time, there's no party like a harvest party. Come on. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. I want you to increase. I want you to multiply. I want you to rejoice in harvest. I want you to have a spoil-dividing party. The spoils. You know what church should be? A spoil-dividing party. We should be coming in here dividing the spoils amongst ourselves. Yes, we want to encourage. Yes, we want to equip. But my goodness, if this is the only place where you get anything, it's not going to work for you. We need to be partakers of what you're partaking of that you're bringing in and you're dividing up among us. I can't be fed in church. Well, come on, eat before you come. (laughs) Eat before you come and serve somebody else. Maybe it was a season you were supposed to be serving and not eating. Maybe you were supposed to dig in and eat a little bit before you come. Instead of just coming in here with your bib on saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. Come on, this is an increase in multiplication. It's a dividing spoil party. Don't come in here with your oh me, oh my, poor pitiful story. Come in here with your oh me, oh my, God is so big and powerful. Let me tell you what he did this week. Little side note, I just, sometimes on social media, man, it gets a little discouraging. That's why you got to stay off of that stuff. Me and my wife just kind of coveted a couple weeks ago. We're just going to stay off this stuff. We're going to regulate this stuff. We're going to check each other's usage time. Come on. You know, we're sitting around watching something with our kids or fellowshipping and be glancing at the social media. Now we put that thing to the side. Yeah, have some hard conversations. But I just want to say, man, I, I saw somebody the other week, a spiritual leader, like the Lord is good. I know he's still good, even when everything looks like it's falling apart. And there was a picture of their car on a wrecker. Is your car everything? Come on, I got a truck. It's new to me back in, it's been it's about a year new to me. Somebody hit me the other day. How many people know somebody hit me the other day? Not a lot of you. I didn't give some poor pitiful, oh no. Somebody hit a piece of metal that I drive around to get from point A to point B. Jahan's transmission went out of her van. How many people know her transmission's out of her van? 
Man, ain't no poor pitiful me story about Jahan's transmission on her van. Come on, a bunch of little gears that turn around and make those wheels turn on the sides doesn't work anymore. So we got to fix those little gears to make those wheels turn so we can get from point A to point B. It has nothing to do with my life and God's goodness and his resources towards me. In this same time, my little baby that's six months old, we couldn't figure out what's going on. He's just broke out all over. He's not sleeping, I mean, at all. For months. Now, I have told some of y'all that for my wife. I ask you to pray for her. But come on. God's healing my baby. We found out he had a little milk allergy. Switched him over to soil. Soil. <laughs> Just make him a dirt pie and he ain't never look better. <laughs> Switch him over to some soy milk. He's clearing up. He's looking good. My other baby's got rashes on his legs and it's just got so bad. It's like his skin's coming off. It's spread up to his arms and we're like, my goodness, what's going on? It's some type of infection now from probably an allergy. We got him on some antibiotics, so he's good. Everybody's been on antibiotic for a while now, for a few days. He's, he's straight. <laughs> but not one time in that am I like, where is the Lord? Come on. Come on. Is he, why have you forsaken me? Because some stuff in this world happens. This ain't even anywhere in my, how do we even get here? It should be a spoiled dividing party. You know what? In the midst of those times, there has been increase. There has been multiplication. I've been having a harvest party at my house. Been having a spoiled dividing party, man. We went away on a weekend this weekend with these young ladies, man, and I've heard just about powerful encounters that they have. That's what's going on in my life. That's what's going on in my life while I'm at home with my kids and my wife is away on a weekend trip. And a couple weeks before that, she's away on a women's retreat. That's what's happening in my life. Spoils are coming in. Multiplication is coming in. Increase is coming in. People's lives are changing. That's what's really going on. That's what's really going on. What's really going on right now is my computer went off. <laughs> Won't come back on. Lord, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> Whatever will I do without a computer? I only looked at it once this whole sermon. I guess I can do okay without it. All right, so they will be glad in your presence with gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. This is all what the light produces. Yeah. I mean, here we are, we're walking around in darkness, the light shines, and then we're having a harvest party. Come on, we're going to produce fruit. I love this. Verse 4, for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. If you guys don't know, the Midianites had oppressed Israel for seven years. And here's how they oppressed them. They left them alone until harvest season came. Yeah. 
And when harvest season would come, all of a sudden the Midianites would come in and they would just steal all of the harvest. Then they would go away and let the Israelites work and let them produce crops and all this. Then when it was harvest time, they would come in and steal their harvest. And so he's saying when the light shines, it's going to be like the battle of Midian. Come on. The light is going to shine. There's going to be rejoicing and harvest. There's going to be a spoil dividing party and you'll no longer produce and till the ground and harvest come up and then it be gone. You won't work, work, work day after day, 50 hour week and 40 hour pay. You won't constantly be trying to get ahead and always, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. There will be increase in multiplication and spoil dividing parties in the people of God. Increase in multiplication and spoil dividing parties in the light. We know we don't battle against the Midians now, right? And we know we're not pressing towards Canaan land. We're going to Jesus. He is the promise. He is the great reward. But what are we wrestling against? The light needs to break the back of powers of darkness. Ephesians 6 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. So there's still this darkness that tries to rob us of our harvest. Tries to keep us, our crops, from coming up because they need light. There's a prince and power of the air and rulers in high places and darkness that tries to keep us in the shadows where our lives do not produce fruit. That's what we wrestle against. Those are the principalities that we stand against. Romans 13, 12 says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let's rid ourselves of the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We wear armor of light to stand against the forces of darkness. We need light. I need light for my crops. I need light for my harvest. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's the problem, John 3. 19, this is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. They're fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth 
and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the God work it is. We can't be a people that avoid the light fearing and exposure. God is not seeking to expose you. He is seeking to promote you. He is seeking to bring increase. What does the light do? It brings increase in spoil dividing parties. He's wanting to get you out of shadows, out of darkness. He's wanting to give you power to overcome forces of darkness so he can produce more in you so you can eat it. Because he's such a hard taskmaster. Ha, ha, ha. Matthew 4, 16, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I love that. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Another translation is, cannot overcome it. Cannot contain it. Cannot sum it up. Are you with me? Cannot comprehend it means that somehow take control of it or press it or package it somehow where it can be ate in a nice little packet. Sometimes we're guilty of that in the church, trying to make it where it can fit in a nice little packet. We've got different denominational packets. We've got a Baptist packet. We've got an Episcopal packet, a Methodist packet, a Pentecostal packet. We've got little ways we try to comprehend the light and put it in a nice little situation where we can know every single little thing about the light. Luke chapter 11. Skip around, guys. Luke chapter 11. New American Standard. No one lights a lamp and puts it away in a cellar, nor under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. Verse 34, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light without any dark part, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illuminates you with its light. In the message, no one lights a lamp, then hides it in a drawer. 
It's put on a lampstand so those entering the room have light to see where they're going. Your eye is a lamp lighting up your whole body. If you live wide-eyed in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. Keep your eyes open, your lamp burning, so you don't get musty and murky. Keep your life as well lighted as your best lighted room. In the Passion, no one would think, yeah, I'm reading three translations, no one would think of lighting a lamp and then hiding it in the basement where no one would benefit. A lamp belongs on a lampstand where all who enter may see its light. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate. And darkness takes its place. Open your heart and consider my words. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. Don't mistake your opinions for revelation light. The darkness can't comprehend it, but we can try to make it up. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp reflecting rays of truth by the way that you live. So your eye is the lamp of your body. And if the eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And you'll think it's light, but it'll really be darkness. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, I love the classic amplified version, says where there is no redemptive revelation of God. When you don't see God rightly, it will fill your whole body with light and you cannot produce fruit in darkness. Did I say it would fill your whole body with light? Fill your, man, I love that I caught that. Because sometimes people do that. I'm like, man, I don't even understand what you're saying. (laughs) If your eye is dark, it will fill your whole body with darkness and you'll think it's light. And you'll be frustrated that you're not producing the fruit because it's really dark and fruit can't grow. Why don't I have any peace? Why don't I have any joy? Maybe your lamp is bad. Maybe your eye is bad. Maybe you don't have a redemptive revelation of the Father through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the redemptive redemptive revelation of the Father. He changes. He put on flesh and walked among us full of grace and truth so we can see the Father rightly through Jesus. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wants us to see him rightly. And when we don't, we can't produce fruit. We're connected to the vine. We, 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 we're, we're having this life source, but we're seeing things wrong and it's causing us to not produce fruit. 
Lord, help us land quick. Stay with me, you okay? John 18, 12, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple who's thankful. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. I'm hoping today to communicate something. I believe that what we attempt to do, the word is a lamp unto my path. The word is a lamp unto my path. Right? The word is a lamp unto my path. What is the word? What is the word? Jesus. Is the word your Bible? Yes. Is the word your Bible? Did John say, I can't even put everything in the pages of this book? Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is dangerous. John says, I can't even put it all in here. So is the word of God, is your Bible the word? Is Jesus the word? Don't add to or take away, right? It's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things of me. He'll remind you of the things I say and do. I believe the word is complete and lacking nothing. The word, your Bible. <clears throat> but your understanding of the word is not complete and lacking nothing. And this is what we've watered the lamp down to. Something that we can possess and comprehend and contain and whip it out in situations. Whip it out, make sure there's not a snake over there. Whip it out, make sure there's nothing I'm going to stumble over or fall under over. We recite stuff and quote stuff. We don't even know what it means. We use verses. We don't even know the context. We don't even know what's before it, what's after it. We don't even know who it's talking to, who it's addressing. It's like, sounds good. I can use that. Why am I not producing fruit with my little flashy light? 
Man, I'm not downplaying the word of God. Knowing it, studying it, this is actually a very vital tool that is personal and is individual and everybody else in the room may not need to be shining it right here, but through the Holy Spirit, you can use this to shine on very specific things to get revelation and illumination and figure things out. Are you with me? But there has to be something bigger than just my opinion about this light that I can focus and control and go to sleep and wake up, take a season off, take a season on. Got to be more. I believe the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter unto the full day. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame as he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Looking unto Jesus, see, this is, this is, this is something we can take in and we can shine and we can, but looking unto Jesus is a light from a different direction. See, I mean, his word is, is alive and active, right? And we can, we can take his word and it's a tool and we can use it to shine light. But his word has to be with the backdrop of who he is. His word will never contradict. It will always point to him. But there's times as we're looking to Jesus that we'll say, Oh, wow. That thing means something totally different than I thought it meant. But if we're just looking here and trying to make it whatever we want to make it, are you with me? It's a lamp into our, but but there's supposed to be something else. There's something that in the backdrop in with the Holy Spirit, I mean, bringing life. And so, I believe like if, you know, the righteous, the path of the righteous is like the dawn. It gets brighter and brighter. So as we go, if it gets brighter and brighter, then it has to be something you're approaching, not something you're containing. Are you with me? I mean, if it gets brighter and brighter, and so 
here's, here's the thing. Holy Spirit, help us. We get this little thing here. We get this little light. All right? And it's our it's our understanding and our comprehension and our minimal grasp. And we process everything through it. And we come out with this really pinpointed focus. And so the only capacity we have is to deal with what I can see in my pinpointed focus. So we become a people who gets real focused on trying to fix little problems that we can see through our limited understanding of Scripture. We get so focused on little specks. And I get focused on my specks, and because I've got my little light, I can see the same little specks in you. And then if you don't sin like I sin, I get real upset. You sin different than me. But we, we start being people that are massively focused on problems and sin and obstacles and struggles. And we have to because we have limited resources of light, so we have to conserve it. And we have to spend days studying so we can figure out the right thing to do about this one issue, and then we can tell everybody else what to do about that one issue. And we can preach a whole series on that one sin, and we can get really focused, and we can get on a soapbox, and we can build a ministry. Like, I'm the guy who talks about this one little issue, and it's so limited in the backdrop of the light of the world that illuminates everything. So yeah, this is great. This is great. It's personal, man. You get into a place and shadows come in and you always got this. Are you with me? Some interference comes in with your revelation where there is no redemptive revelation. Some lie comes in about the nature of God and somehow that light seems to be cut off and thank goodness I've got the word that I've hidden my heart. It's like a little dagger, right? That you can do some quick work with. But come on, this is... It should be like using this light in this room. Can you turn the lights off? I don't know if they can do that without the switch. I can turn that many off. This is not how you should be living your Christian life. I mean, you used to be groping around in the darkness. Now you got you a little flashlight. No. This isn't the upgrade. This isn't the multiplication. This isn't the light that he's talking about. Your limited understanding, your limited. I mean, you watch the disciples, you watch the Pharisees, but you watch the disciples walking with Jesus, and every day as they followed him, this thing changed. Every day as they followed him, what they thought it was, what they understood, changed. Turn them back on. This is a tool. 
It's vital. It's important. It's crucial. But we should be using it in this. We should be using it in a life that is focused on Jesus, the light of the world. We should be living in illumination. We should be producing fruit in illumination. We should be asking the Holy Spirit to take this word and to put it in front of us and to illuminate our resurrected Savior. And we should be pressing towards him. Promise. Promise. We don't just look around for little pitfalls. We're focusing on promise. We're focusing on the fullness of the kingdom, not our limited understanding. I just reiterate again, the word of God contains the fullness of the kingdom but your limited understanding of it does not. And when you try to own it and possess it and make it work for you and make it uh, defend you and make it, uh, you know, fit your opinions, it's not revelation light. Your opinions of the word are not revelation light. This is like a solar light. It, it only, if, if you, I could turn those lights off again. But if you keep using this in darkness, eventually it's going to die. Puffed up knowledge. Huh? A form of godliness, denying the power thereof. I own it, I possess it, I beat people up with it. This is all I got. This is how I live my life. I'm small-minded. I don't want to read it unless I understand it and it and it fits my prerogative. This thing is only empowered by the word. It's only empowered by the word. And so you can use this, but it just has to keep being fueled by what you're pressing toward. It has to keep being recharged by what you're pressing toward. It's a little tool that he'll give us and he'll highlight things. And then I even see it like a laser. You see it because it's bright. And then he says, all right, now I'm going to let you have this light like a tool. And we're going to go in and we're going to take this thing out. Because yeah. this is going to be, the word of God is going to be sharper than a two-edged sword. And it can divide meat from bone. It can go in and do work inside of you. But it's going to be powered by the sun, yes. the light of the world. Yes. The word of God that you can hold in your hand is only as powerful as the word of God that you can't possibly comprehend. You have to read it in that context. You have to study it with that understanding. You have to be open to the Holy Spirit to bring that word to life. It's alive and it's active. If you read it like it's dead and a scroll... 
is going to be different than if you read it like it's alive and it's active. People don't really like this, but do you know it can mean something different than it, for me than it does you? What work? It can mean something in a moment. The Holy Spirit can speak to you in a moment through that word. And he can speak to you in a, in a moment, and it can change in a kairos. He can just bring the value of that word into that moment, and it can mean something to you that I never in a million years saw. It's alive, and it's active. And it's speaking, and it's changing. And it produces fruit in your life. I'm not going to get into pruning today, but it just can prune with it cut things out. You guys stand up with me, will you? Didn't even get into today for sake of time. What I'm going to close with now, because <laughs> I'm going to do it anyways. So your eye is the lamp and you can see in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18. Let's just look at 16. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. This is, this is talking about if, if the law came with glory, how much more glory does the new covenant come with? It's not even worthy to be even mentioned. It's so much greater. And this is with the reading of the old covenant. Every time they read it, every time they meditate on it, the veil comes back over like it did with Moses. But if someone turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. I don't have a physical copy with me, but this ain't going to probably win me any awards. With the reading... Of the word, the word says that avail. It means there's a way in which you can read the word that actually will veil you instead of unveil you. And it will affect what you can see, which will affect what you can receive. The, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. It says that you have to turn to him with an open heart and the veil is lifted and they see. So through religion, we can take the word of God and we can pervert it in a way that puts a veil over us. And we just run around with the light. I would say high percent. Man, do we need to talk about sin? Yeah. 
but we need to talk about Jesus. If all I talk about sin, then I'm just handing out flashlights to everybody in the church. And say, I just want you to be real conscious about that sin. I want you to keep this little flashlight. I'm going to give you three verses to say and make sure you don't do that sin. But I want to talk about Jesus. That'll light up their whole life. And they won't have to be focused on little things. I, I, I said it one time. You know, you got stumbling blocks. I wish I had them out here. Sometimes we live our life with Christ like trying to make sure we don't stumble on something. And then if there's a block in front of us, like, oh, my gosh, we just freeze because we're just focused on stumbling. Uh -huh. He says, I'll take your stumbling blocks and make them right. stepping stones. Yeah. But it's all about where your focus is. If I'm focused up, come on, if I'm, I'm high-stepping up, yes. then those things actually just become uh, uh, something that lifts me and empowers me and enables me. If you're looking down, you ain't picking your feet up much. If you're looking, I'm trying to fly, man. Every day I'm trying to fly. I'm trying to go. I'm trying to reach. And so if something comes to make a stumbling ball before me, it's going to be something that I step on. It's going to bring increase back to it, multiplication. I'm going to the light, not using the light like a microscope. Does any of this make sense today? Come on, we... We need light to produce fruit. Ten years ago, I would have preached this about you need the light. If you're going to produce fruit, you need a light. I might have preached about every worm you might need to shine on. I might have preached about every problem with the vine you, and the branch that you might need to make sure it's not there. So you need the word of God so that you can just make sure. You need the word of God to magnify the word of God yeah. that will illuminate your entire life. Yes, and you can walk in wide open spaces. Come out of the shadows. Come yeah. into the light. Yeah. Amen. So we need the light. We need the word. We need the brightness of the sun to illuminate our life. If you're tunnel visioned, if you're tunnel visioned, it's time to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to be in the tunnel with a flashlight. I want to see a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what I'm going to. And as I get there, it gets brighter and brighter, increase and increase and fruit and fruit, multiplication, Right? Dividing spoil parties. God, we want to turn to you with an open heart so that you can remove all the veils. All the veils. Guys, could Jesus have died on the cross, been buried and rose again, without renting the veil. 
Absolutely. He could have said, the crucifixion, the gift of my only begotten son and the holy of holies. He could have worked them together. He could have continued to say, it's Jesus and. He's come to make this temple better and bigger and brighter and awesome. And so let's keep doing it in the temple, but now let's do it in the backdrop of Jesus. No. Are you with me? He could have done that. Do whatever he wants to do. But Jesus was enough and then nothing could even stay in with him. Nothing could even stand in with him. He was enough. It can't be Jesus and. Do you understand? It can't be. It can't be. He destroys it all. When Jesus is enough, there's no other system. There's no other structure. There's no other law. There's no other thing that can stand in his presence. We have to be able to come boldly because he destroys every other thing. His righteousness destroys man's righteousness. His worthiness destroys man's worthiness and fulfills so, Lord, we just open our heart today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm tired of missing fruit. I'm tired of missing fruit. tired to coming to a time when it's time to eat and rejoice in harvest and divide the spoils only to discover that there's been a veil covering that area and it's been dark and it's been unable to produce fruit in my life. When I've needed peace, there was no peace. When I needed joy, there was no joy. When I needed love, there was no love. When I needed acceptance, there was no acceptance because I was covering those areas of my life with a veil. I just break off every veil. I break off every veil of religion right now. Every yoke that's been put on, just like it said, I come to remove the rod of the oppressor off your back that would be sent to steal your harvest. Like the battle of Midian. Let those enemies be destroyed right now. Let those enemies be destroyed right now. Every lie, every deception, every veil, every hindrance, every perversion, every manipulation, every, every hindrance and deterrent and distraction. Jesus, Jesus, break every yoke. Jesus, destroy every lie. 
everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus, every lie that we've come under, every curse that we believe, everything that has been an assault against the nature of our Father. Right now, we just break the back of it. We come out of agreement with it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.